Welcome to Obsessed Show, a podcast that is designed to inspire, featuring some of the most creative people in the world. I'm your host, Josh Miles. Hey guys, today's episode is sponsored by porkbun.com, where you can get your free .design URL. I'm excited to be partnering with porkbun.com because if you've ever tried to find that perfect URL for your design firm or freelance practice, you are probably painfully aware of how many domain names are already taken. But now you have another option with .design. If you haven't heard of .design, major brands like Facebook, Adobe, Airbnb, Amazon, and others are already using it. So head over to porkbun.com to get your free dot design URL today. And not only are there more options available with dot design, but when you register at porkbun.com, you'll also get your first year free along with free email hosting, SSL security, free site builder, and free who is privacy. Okay guys, for all of our obsessed show listeners to take advantage of this free dot design URL offer, head over to porkbun.com and use coupon code obsessed at checkout. Again, that's coupon code obsessed. Let's talk about today's episode. Today on Obsessed Show, I'm chatting with founder and CEO of Raw Artists, Heidi Luera. Raw Artists is an international independent arts organization serving in 70 cities worldwide focused on aiding independent artists by giving them the tools, resources, education, and exposure they'll need to propel their careers forward in creative endeavors. Raw encapsulates 10 different creative categories, film, fashion, music, visual art, performing art, beauty, accessories, photography, craft, and technology. I'm definitely curious to hear more. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Heidi Luera. Okay, kids, all the way from LA, please welcome Heidi Luera. Heidi, welcome to Obsessed Show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, hey, I definitely want to talk about Raw, and I'm kind of curious to hear about the name too, but maybe before we dig in here, to what raw is about. I want to start with one of my favorite questions to start with, which is tell me about your origin story and how you found yourself in this world of art and design. Sure. Um, so I think as most people would attest if they're artistic or creative, um, you know, it starts at a very young age, but when I was very young, I wanted to be, a writer and then a fine artist and then that kind of multiplied into uh, fashion design so mm. when I was about seven years old I became obsessed with fashion design um, I all, but also again having my hand in all of these other kind of creative endeavors drawing and writing and painting etc um, and I wanted to be a fashion designer since I was that you know young and I used Are we talking to, about like crazy runway stuff or yeah you know? I wanted to have my own clothing line that was always my goal I'm mm, from a small cool. town in northern California called Redding which is like population 80,000 so there wasn't a whole lot of opportunities there growing up um as far as like if I wanted to stay in northern California and have a career so I knew I needed to come to Los Angeles And that was, I had my sights set on that at a very young age. But creating when I was younger, I used to throw fashion shows in my living room with my sister's karaoke machine (laughs) and dress my brothers and her up. So it it was something I was always playing and doing. So it really was kind of this innate passion. 
And so when I was 18, I moved to LA. Um, within a year, I'd started my own clothing line, started working in the fashion industry, and tried to start marketing my own clothing line. Um, I wasn't I didn't feel ready and were wanting to go to big box retail or even like some of the more well-known boutiques, sorry, um, with my line. So I wanted to go direct to consumer and I was looking for a place to showcase and sell my clothing line now that I had kind of some semblance of one and swap meets were the only place that I could really, um, find a pro that was approachable and mm. somewhat affordable and so I started selling at swap meets and finding that the demographic was really not <laughs> a suitable <laughs> and for you know a kind of weird innovative clothing line that I was putting together at age 19 and 20 so <laughs> I decided to um host a show I had a lot of friends that were visual artists I mean moving to a creative mecca like Los Angeles, you just meet so many creative people. Everyone's doing something. Everyone's got, you know, aspirations normally in some type of creative field. So I had friends that were fellow fashion designers. I had friends that were musicians and friends that were visual artists and photographers. And I'm kind of one of those people that if I see something I don't like, I normally do something about it. So I found it kind of upsetting that there wasn't at least at that point in time in 2005 before all you know social media and things of that nature when the world was a lot more big and spread out um that there wasn't a showcase or a platform for independent creatives to showcase so i took matters into my own hands and threw a fashion music and art show and that was in 2005 and it was 20 i wasn't um, technically even allowed in the venue that I hosted the event <laughs> at. I had a fake ID, full disclosure. Um, and it took off just very organically. And that's kind of how this all started in my career that kind of in this industry, like bubbled up kind of out of an accident, you know, or a need rather that I had accidentally found, but a need for the creative community and myself and my friends, you know, something we wanted, <laughs> we made. So was this idea of putting on an event, was that something that was, you know, stressful or foreign to you or did that come pretty naturally? You know, I'm a really organized person and I, I kind of have like half creative brain, half business brain. So it, I wouldn't say that it was exactly natural, but my senior project in high school, I did throw a fashion show and designed 18 formal dresses and, you know, auctioned them off for charity and yada, yada. Wow. That's um, yeah, I know. I was crazy. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> so that was like my previous experience doing that. Um, so I had like a little bit of experience, at least on the fashion show side, but like we're talking, I threw this in my high school gym. So it wasn't, you know, uh, Los Angeles, full runway lights and sound and, you know, type of experience. Um, so it was definitely cutting my teeth, but I, I did fall in love with the aspect of producing the show. I had my, I showed, I showcased my line in the very first one as well. Um, 
So it was, it was a ton of work to both showcase my line and direct it for all of the other clothing lines, as well as musicians and artists that were in the show. But, uh, you know, people started coming to me in droves after the first one saying like, I want to be a part of the next one. And mm. I'm not, I wasn't planning on doing the next one. <laughs> this was just for me and my friends. <laughs> and that was a complete accident that just continued to snowball and almost, you know, 16 years later, it's turned into a full-blown career and somewhat of an industry, at least in Los Angeles and in a couple of other cities around the world. So tell me a little bit more about kind of the name behind Raw. Where did that come from? Or, you know, did it just sound cool or was there sure. further <laughs> meaning behind that? No, it, it comes really from the belief that some of the best art and music that I've found and or listened to or discovered is usually before it's touched by the industry. Um, and so while I respect, you know, things have to evolve and move on and become glossy and shiny, I think raw is a word that describes something that is, um, you know, its purest form. And so that's why I decided to, to call it raw. And that was the inspiration behind it. Um, yeah. Cool. So it sounds like you threw this one event and it sort of accidentally became a thing. Like at, at what point did you decide intentionally, not just, you know, people saying, oh, when's the next one? But like, how did that go from a fun thing that you did and encouragement from other people to being a, a business and organization? Oh my God, it was, it was a very long process. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I ran that show. Um, it was called Project Ethos. I ran that for three years and I just kind of produced them when I felt like it to a certain extent because it's, mm -hmm. it's a ton of work. Um, after the second, after the first show, I decided not to show my line in them anymore. Um, <laughs> my line started kind of collecting dust in my closet, but I was going to school. I was interning. I was still very, you know, young in my career. I was working in the fashion industry. Um, so I was balancing all these things and I noticed that my line was kind of collecting dust in my closet and realizing that I wanted to spend all my time on producing the showcase because it mm -hmm. felt so good. It was super rewarding that I could kind of give these people that didn't have a voice an opportunity and a platform. And the show started growing. We had at one point up to 2,500 people at our event with celebrity attended oh, nice. red carpet and you know, the whole nine Hollywood yards. But, um, yeah, it, so that was the first iteration, essentially, of what I kind of deem as my calling. I really felt like that was what I was meant to do. I understood the creative brain. I understood how to put them in front of people. I understood how to put a cohesive showcase together. Um, and it was so much fun, and it was so rewarding. We would have, you know... Uh, Clothing lines get picked up off of our runways by boutiques. We would invite industry professionals to come and view these, these artists. People would be selling paintings. It was a career building opportunity. And that just, there really, again, wasn't anything like it. You, there wasn't Instagram then. You couldn't, yeah. you know, showcase your, your work to somebody in Spain or Europe or, you know, that, there wasn't that type of connectivity. Um, that there is now, but even now with social media, 
I still think nothing replaces that, you know, grassroots face-to-face connection that you can make with somebody that's looking at your art or, you know, reviewing your portfolio or, you know, seeing your line on the runway or listening to your music. So um, after that kind of iteration, I went into the corporate world for a while, kind of had a messy um, partner breakup, if you will, (laughs) with that. Again, I was young, didn't have all of, you know, the business acumen that I have now. I understand it a lot better at uh, my ripe old age of 35. (laughs) But um, yeah, had a kind of a messy breakup with a partner and then went into corporate, ended up really hating that. And that was around the time that, you know, 2008, early 2009 happened, um, Mm -hmm, a a downturn in the economy. So I decided, I started my own production company wedged in there somewhere, um, creative events company, and then decided to kind of come back to my roots and start raw the way that I wanted it, um, with no outside influence and, just kind of go for it. So I guess it was something I I dabbled in and tried out um, in many different facets before Raw came to form as the fully functioning, thriving community that it is now. But lots of, yeah, trial and error and uh, lots of lessons learned. So maybe um, I'll ask this question because I'm curious as well. Tell us what a what a raw experience is like, or what what the the yeah. events are like, or what the community is like. I think we've kind of danced around all the all the pieces of sure. it, except for what it <laughs> yeah. what exactly is this thing? I know, right? It it is difficult. It can be challenging at times to describe it verbally. I feel like people officially get it when they see it, but I will do my best. So <laughs> essentially, there's nothing like us, so it's hard to like compare it to anything else and mm-hmm. I can't say hey we're like this show but a little different um, we are if you walk into one of our showcases you will see a pop-up art gallery typically with 20 to 30 visual artists and photographers you'll also listen to about two to three live musical acts they're from all different genres um, that we hand select and put on the stage to be featured we also have fashion shows, anywhere from seven to 10 fashion shows throughout the night that kind of cap the night. We have performances that are kind of wedged in there on the stage. Um, We also, and that could be anything from like a spoken word poet to a tap dancing group to a fire eater or something Mm. of that nature. And then we also feature makeup artists and hairstylists because we believe that they're artists as well and they don't get to do a lot of creative things they're typically um you know stuck behind what a client wants (laughs) so they showcase (laughs) their kind of more avant-garde style and their art and we have what we call pedestals where their models kind of stand and pose on them so it's very um, it's like a circus of creativity. <laughs> the art gallery is lit all night and people are walking around. We typically do these showcases in live music venues because that suits all of our genres. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, um, it's not a white wall gallery. We're not trying to be, we're not, 
uh, we're like a fun alternative way to showcase. Uh, that said, our artists sell a ton of work and so do our accessory designers, tons of connections and networking. There's anywhere from 600 to 1,000 attendees at our events and that mm. depends on the city. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of, it's fun. There's a bar, people have cocktails, they walk around, they look at art, <laughs> they buy art, they talk to artists. It's, it's, it's really fun, <laughs> colorful and loud too. <laughs> so in the description I talked about, um, or at least I, I read the content <laughs> that said yeah, sure. tools, resources, education, and exposure. So the exposure thing, I get that. Um, yeah. where do you fold in for the tools, resources, and education piece, or what does that look like for yeah. members or participants? Sure. So when a raw artist joins our network, there's a whole backend process that you can't really like see from the website or really read from the copy. So <laughs> that makes sense mm -hmm. that you're like, where does that come from? So we have a pretty robust backend library of tools and resources that are exclusively available to our raw artists as far as we have open calls for different things that we vet and think are good opportunities um, in all the different sectors. And then we have kind of more creative entrepreneur business advice. And that's something in 2020 that we're getting even more intense on and adding even more to. Um, but the whole process of actually showcasing, a lot of our artists are within the first 10 years of their career. So mm -hmm. this might be their first time showcasing for a lot of artists to 600 to you know, 1,000 people. So there's a ton of opportunity there and we wanna make sure that they're prepared. So every raw artist that comes through our you know, showcase process is paired with a showcase director that leads them through and provides them tips and tricks on promoting, um, on sales and merchandising, on being professional and networking at the show, as well as you know, growing fans and followers and taking advantage of the fact that they are in, in the showcase in general. Like use it and squeeze it for all it's worth. Um, so we have a whole kind of back-end educational process. And then once an artist is in our network, they get, you know, we have blog posts and features and we, we promote artists on social media that are our alumni, or we talk about their success stories. So we continue to kind of try and stay in touch and be a resource to them for, you know, whether it's consulting or consulting um, or consultations on specific, uh, you know, needs or like I've had artists contact me that asking me to look at contracts for them. <laughs> like I'm not an attorney yeah, but right. I, I will look at this and see if it's legit you know so we just try and be there um, in any way we can to kind of some support that community and we have um, 200,000 artists in our network across the globe at this point oh that's awesome so do you guys become like agents for these artists are you um, you know doing commerce on their behalf or um, no like what does that look like no, our artists, um, anything they sell, they manage the process of the sales at the showcase. We take 0% commission. And then, uh, no, we're not, we're not agents. They're not beholden to us in any way. They're their own thing. We're literally just a platform. We're, we're literally just saying, here you go. We're putting this collaborative showcase together. If we think that you're you know, talented, we'd like to showcase you if you want to be involved. 
and uh, here you go. <laughs> and we'll be here to help. <laughs> so is that really the only qualifier is that the artist is looking for community and thinks they're talented and wants some help with exposure? Yeah, it's that all of our artists are required to sell 20 tickets to the show. That's their skin Hmm. in the game and that's their buy-in. They also make money off of ticket sales if they sell anything over that. So that's, that's how we keep the lights on. Yeah. Um, but we have to believe that they're talented and that they're somewhat professional already. Like we know a lot of our artists are, this could be their first show. Some of them it's like, 60% of them, it's their first showcase. So Mm. we want to guide them through. A lot of them have just been like kind of creating in their garage and didn't know whether they wanted to pursue this. And a lot of times we hear from artists that it gives them the confidence to kind of, or just has, gives them the agency to decide that, hey, I want this to be a career or I don't, (laughs) you know? So it's kind of a, a tester <laughs> for them. But more often than not, we hear how much Raw's give given them confidence because, you know, as an artist, as a creative, it is super scary to put yourself out there and just hang your work in the wind and right. and you know, I I recently did it and I was like, oh my God, I don't know how people do this all the time. It's so scary. So when you get some, <laughs> you know, positive feedback, it is it just like means the world. And I think our our platform definitely uh, creates that opportunity on a regular basis for a lot of artists. It's interesting. I was um, recently the guest of a podcast called Maker Riot, and they were um, kind of focused on maker spaces. And mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about who who's a good fit for maker space because you could have everything from you know maybe I'm in my garage trying to do some woodworking, which none of those things are true, but, but maybe, maybe I am. And I'm trying to figure out like, I need more space for this or, you know, or maybe I'm just thinking about a concept that I haven't tried or, or maybe I consider myself really good and I just want to go there to like be part of the community and maybe teach other people. And it, it sounds like maybe some of your artists are in, in those similar varieties of, of headspace or kind of mentality. Yeah, they come from all different different backgrounds and all different walks of life and all different points in their career. We like to say like we're here for artists that are typically within the first 10 years, but we don't discriminate. We've had artists that come to us that have a following and have buyers and they're like, you guys don't take a commission? Great. <laughs> I'm going to come set up my shop and I'm going to invite the buyers that I know that are going to buy the artwork anyway. And yeah. I get to keep 100% of my... <laughs> proceeds so it just depends it's like we have a little i feel a benefit for everyone there's also another a laundry list of um other benefits that we provide as being a part of the community but i won't go through those right now you can read about them on our website (laughs) (laughs) well this is a question that i just asked um our last guest um his name's david bates and he's ceo of a company called bokeh and um you know a lot of things come with that title of ceo but I'm sure. curious, um, you know, in my experience, lots of CEOs have similar challenges, but then depending on the organization side, you might do wildly different stuff than another CEO or founder. So tell us a little bit about what a typical day or week might look like for you and, and really where, where you focus your time as CEO. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, <laughs> I'm probably like <laughs> loaded the, question. <laughs> the company's biggest generalist. Um, 
as being the founder, I've, I, and yeah, I've done every single job in this company at one given time or another. And over the past 10 years have developed, you know, systems and protocols and processes and been able to, you know, kind of master that and pass it on anything literally from accounts payable to um, HR to being a curator at our company or booking artists or hosting the showcases like I've pretty much done all of those things so as a result my day and my day-to-day changes based on year of the company yeah. but where I am now I would say it is Lots of meetings on a regular basis. I'm more involved on the creative aspects of our marketing, branding, and educational resources for artists. Um, So at this point, I'm able to do that. But, uh, you know, a year ago, it was much different than a year before that. (laughs) But, you know, it's lots of meetings and um, rolling out different projects or giving you know past projects that we did a facelift to match our new branding or looking at past things we used to do and being like okay we've got to refine that or change that now that we're doing xyz i think it's business is kind of and the ceo job is kind of like (laughs) (laughs) whack-a-mole hitting one thing you know you're, you're putting out one fire or you're dealing with one problem or creating or innovating a new solution for something. And then there's three other things that come up. So it's just, you're constantly running around doing a little bit of everything, I think. <laughs> or yeah, at least I am. <laughs> well, at my former agency, I used to say, man, I would make a good intern. <laughs> you end up doing like all the dirty work. It's, or at least, you know, I was in a similar, similar spot. Like, oh, we need to go run an errand or we need to, you know, yeah. make changes to that one file or we need to go pull something out of the archive. Like, yeah, some days I was better at, at uh, delegating than others, but uh, I can I can yeah. definitely relate. Yeah, you wear a lot of hats, and no one cares as much as you do either. So that's part <laughs> of it too. Well, maybe along those that vein, um, you know, we all have kind of down days or down projects or frustrations. Um, what's what's kind of your go to to get yourself out of that mode or? Um, what do you do to, to deal with those tough spots when I'm having a real bad day? Oh, a real bad um, day. Hmm, I try and remember why I'm doing it. And that can be really difficult because sometimes the emotion wrapped up in all of the different things that you have to do when you're in charge is very blinding, but I try and come back to that center and be like, why did I start this? <laughs> what am I doing this for? What is my personal personal mission? And, you know, this is impacting a multitude of people. You know, every decision that I make does. And so I try and just kind of come back to my center on that as much as I can. Um, so that I would say mentally and then practically, depending on how bad it is, I have a little whiskey at night or <laughs> not the now we get the real way answer. <laughs> to deal with it. Um, yeah, it, it depends. Or, you know, take take a really long weekend somewhere and like get out of town. That that helps with perspective. Um, but yeah, I think 
I, I do really try and come back to the why. Mm-hmm. Like that's the number one thing I try and do. But you know, it, it's not um, it's not a picnic running a business <laughs> at all. In they don't fact, tell you I, that in the brochure. <laughs> they don't. And you know, I would argue that there are more frustrations um, and liabilities and hardships and heartaches, then there are good times. But when there are good times, they're really good. And it makes it all worth it, you know? And it's hard to see the forest for the trees when you when you have a large organization too. It's like, I'm not, my job has morphed so much over the years to where when I started, I was, you know, running shows and working with artists and, and talking about them, what they're doing and their life inspirations and helping them, you know, connect to the right people. And I don't get to be a part of that as much anymore. I'm like at my desk, making sure other people are doing that to a certain extent. And then also, uh, you know, doing an insurance audit, you know, it's like, it's not, it's changed, you know. So it's not as, um, my my reward is not as much in my face anymore (laughs) as it used to be, but following like the raw artist hashtag on Instagram and hearing about our artists, uh, successes and the things that they just say about their showcases it's like that that brings me back to life like every day so I still I still have those those times and those moments they're just a little more removed from me <laughs> than they used to be so what about um, if you think about maybe your proudest professional moment what comes to mind for you yeah, I think I'm most proud of the fact that we have sustained this business for 10 years with zero funding and upstarted from my kitchen table. Um, no investors, no giant corporate sponsors. Um, it's I, And I think I'm really proud of the fact that we've had this longevity given that those obstacles because it's really hard. And I think if I were to grow another business again, I don't know that I would bootstrap it. Um, I like that we have done that and I am extremely proud of that because it's really hard to go from um, no zero dollars to building a worldwide organization. It's it's a lot of sacrifice and sweat. Um, So I'd say like if I had to, put that into a moment, we had our 10th showcase celebration, 10th birthday showcase celebration in March of 2019. And we had our team of 60 employees on the stage and our artists that were a part of that showcase in LA in downtown where it all started. And we had a confetti cannon and there was music playing and there were just like thousands of people in the audience. And it was just like a moment that was so um emotional kind of and in crowd you know because i was once a fashion designer who just wanted to be standing on that catwalk you know just having my line shown and i was sitting there with my team as a person who had you know has these catwalks and these stages in all of these different cities around the world for artists everywhere so that was a proud moment I can imagine um, with your exposure to 
not only fashion, but art and design and all the other categories we talked about that maybe, maybe there's a few on here, but who would you consider maybe a design or fashion or art hero on -hmm. your list? Yeah, I have a, I have a lot like in the mainstream world. Um, but more, I would say in kind of our raw community. (laughs) So I actually have a book where I profiled some of the my favorite creative entrepreneurs, and I would say designer Vinny Etienne. I'm sorry, Etienne Vinny Etienne. Hmm. He is a fashion designer. He was actually on Project Runway this past season, and he's like just an all around fantastic human and a fantastic designer. Um, Body painter Trina Mary, she is incredible and doing amazing work for body positivity and uh, mixing art with culture and kind of making a statement in the process. Um, who else? The Brandon Brown Collective and music. They're, he's one of my favorite bands and I think he's going to be famous one day. <laughs> I mean, so these are just a few of my like, they're not going to be super known to a lot of other people, but they, they're my heroes. <laughs> That's awesome. I, yeah. We'll have to uh, look up most of those and put some links in the show notes so that yeah, definitely. folks can check them out. They're fantastic. Um, okay. So this is of course my favorite question to ask everybody because it's kind of the theme of the show, but Heidi, I'm curious, you know, this could be anything life music, design, whatever. What do you find that you are most obsessed with right now? Mm -hmm. So at the moment, I think I'm most obsessed with finding balance in my life. (laughs) (laughs) After, again, I think this like 10-year milestone in 2019 really kind of, um, it was an opportunity to kind of take stock and reflect on the past and then kind of look forward to the future. And I've made a lot of sacrifices over the years. And I'm, I think at this point what I'm obsessed with, and again, I don't know if it's because it's January and because it's a new decade, it's 2020. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just really in that mode of like, you know, how can I find balance between all the different aspects of my life, whether it be relationship or health and work and all the things that I would like to get done and grow. Um, so that's, I, I think that's what I'm most obsessed with at the moment is, is trying to find the equilibrium between all the different aspects of adult life. <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't 2020 just feel like the most high stakes new year possible? Like it's the, we're in yeah. a new decade, it's a new year, it's a new month, it's all that. I know, you're telling me. And it's like, I know we're going to have a 2030, but like 2020, it's like so symmetrical, it's even, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. It just feels so important from everyone. Feel, yes, very important. <laughs> yeah. And we've been saying 2020 vision for how long? And I know, the, right? The number of 2020 puns just, just won't stop. I know. The Barbara Walters one makes me, it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, most designers, most artists have. Uh, you know, either are blessed or cursed by this. They kind of see the world differently because of the lens that they look at things. I'm curious if there's anything that like 
especially with your aesthetic sensibilities in events and music and all these other things, if there are any trends or things that you see consistently that kind of drive you crazy. Oh yeah. (laughs) I just wrote a book about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good segue to tell me about your book. (laughs) Yeah. The book is called the work of art and it's a no nonsense field guide for creative entrepreneurs because I have been working with artists since I was very young, yes. Um, but being one myself, I, I've gone through a lot of these different levels of understanding kind of how things operate um, in mm-hmm. the business world. And if you want to be sustainable, if you want to be financially sound, the different things that you have to you know, balance between your personal mission and bringing in an income Um, And I think a lot of creatives kind of just think, oh, I'm going to get discovered one day and I don't have to, um, (laughs) you know, (laughs) really put in like that much where I just need to put my stuff on Instagram or, you know, the second thing is like, oh, yeah, once I get uh, in this gallery or get this agent or this manager, like, that's it. That's my big break. And then I'm going to make all this money and I can do whatever I want. And I think that the biggest misconception is that 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 is a complete misconception and it's so much work and you have to check in with yourself on a regular basis to make sure you still want to do it. But if you're an artist that wants to have longevity in their career and a sustainable career, um, if you're a creative of any sort, not even a visual artist, just anyone that is creative, brain that wants to have a career in this and do this long term they need to understand the fundamentals of business and they need to understand all of the different things that it's going to take and all the sacrifices they're going to need to make uh, in order to make that a reality and i think the the common thread that i see between most creatives is you know the finance stuff it's the money stuff. It's understanding how to price yourself, understanding not to go too crazy, you know, and, and overvalue, but don't undervalue. Um, it's putting yourself in, in the right places and making sure that you're putting yourself out there in the first place. Um, it's the combination of so many things that I just see not, not enough artists are self-educating to get to the spot where they understand that this is even a thing they need to do. (laughs) And so after I've worked with creatives for 17 years at this point, and I've, I've just seen it time and again, and there's also some professionalism stuff that I see time and again. Mm, I don't know if it's necessarily your listeners, but um, you know, people that just don't follow up or follow through or literally there's an artist that's supposed to uh, do a job for me right now that's paying and I haven't heard from him in in three days. Mm. The deadline is tomorrow. (laughs) So it's things like that where I'm like, what are you guys doing? You know, you got to get it together. (laughs) (laughs) You got, if you want to be known as an artist and as a professional that is, um, you know, doing, doing good work and wants to have this as a career and that's a, determination only you can make for yourself, then you've got to follow some of the standard business practices that exist in the world today. <laughs> and that 
you know, that's emailing people back and, and yeah. picking up the phone when someone calls and, you know, just doing some of the basics. Well, I do agree it is uncanny how inspirational the last minute is on a deadline, but that, that doesn't mean that's the way you should structure your career or no. base your uh, customer service. So, uh, Yeah, you won't yeah, have much point. of one for long if that's the case, you know? <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, I've just got a couple of questions for you here before we uh, sure. let you go. Um, I'm curious, where do you find inspiration for what's next so when you think about like oh this event was really great or or you know they're getting better every year or mm -hmm. you know you talked about how kind of your role evolves Wh where do you look to or where do you go to find something that's fresh or new that you can incorporate to raw yeah this is going to sound super cliche but everywhere <laughs> um <laughs> i i like to i think it's really important because we're kind of straddling that line between we're a showcase for our artists it's an opportunity and a platform but we're also an entertaining showcase in general for attendees to come and check out mm -hmm. so we do have to keep it fresh and we do have to keep it um evolving and i i'm a really big like trend forecaster so this is something that they taught us in fashion school, <laughs> but you're essentially looking at kind of what's trending in all the different sectors of, um, of the world, whether it's design or home and garden even, or what people are most watching on TV, take that popular culture and take a look, make a common thread between all of it and make an estimated guess on what you think is going to be next thing that's going to kind of pop into um, in the forefront. And so like right now in the world of events, I, there's a lot of, you know, virtual reality and experiences like that. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's going to, that's going to just be a trend in our world in my opinion, as technology continues to evolve and becomes, you know, more synonymous with households. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're going to have robots and stuff soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think so like this past year, just in uh, last March, we opened up our a creative category for tech because tech is in, that's the next generation of art as far as I'm concerned augmented reality and projectionists and 3d printing and there's going to be some really cool things so I just try and look at the world at large politics the things that you know every all different facets and take a good guess as to you know what's coming down the pipe um but I'm inspired by a ton of <laughs> different things. I'm still a creative person, despite all of my paperwork <laughs> that I have to do. <laughs> um, and so I really try and, and look at all the different facets of the world and just, you know, but, but have my own, I, I have my own motivation of, you know, what I would like to see and go to and be enthralled by as well. So it's a, it's a combination, I, I would say, of all of those things. Cool. Um, okay. So I think this is my last question before we, um, ask you to tell us all the places to find you, but 
What's your favorite piece of advice, either maybe a favorite piece of advice that you've received or your favorite piece of advice to pass along to artists who are part of the raw community? Um, for artists that are part of the raw community, I, I challenge them to put the work in. I, I guess it's kind of general advice as well. Put the work in. Um, don't try and shortcut it or find some way around it. Um, if you really want a life made up of what you're most passionate about, know that it's going to take work. It's going to take longer than you expect. It's going to be more expensive than you expect. And the only way to uh, get to the other side is to go through it. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's my advice for anyone participating in a raw showcase, as well as just anyone that wants a creative career in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent point. Well, uh, <laughs> Heidi, before we um, say goodbye here, tell our listeners where they can find you on the interwebs, how they can learn more about raw, if that's something they're interested in, checking out a future showcase, or uh, find your book online. Sure. Yeah. Um, you can go to raw artists and that's plural artists.com to check out raw. We have showcases in 70 cities around the globe. You can attend as a guest or, uh, submit your work to be considered for a showcase. Um, and then you can find me at HeidiLuera.com and that's H-E-I-D-I-L-U-E-R-R-A.com. And there's a link to my book on there. It's on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. It's called The Work of Art, A No-Nonsense Field Guide for Creative Entrepreneurs. And then I'm also on Instagram, but you should probably follow Raw. It's way more interesting at Raw. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Heidi, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today. And thank you for being obsessed with design. Okay, kids, that's episode number 133 in the books. For all of today's show notes, head over to obsessedshow.com. And if you haven't already while you're there, add your email address to our newsletter. I'll update you on some of my favorite new episodes and some cool things I find in my daily obsessions. Of course, all the links are over at obsessedshow.com to all the places you can find this show, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spotify. So no matter where you find your podcasts, chances are you can listen to Obsessed Show from there. Just head over to obsessedshow.com. The Obsessed Show is produced by yours truly, Josh Miles. To have me speak or MC at your next event, head over to joshmiles.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.